And God says, freezing. You missed it. All right, grab a Bible and open it to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, some of you know that I've set out on a video series that I plan to teach through the entire Bible. Um, there were discussions, uh, myself and Jameson, and I think I talked with Tom a couple of times. Uh, I have been impressed from the Lord for a while that he's impressed upon my heart to teach through the entire scriptures. And I've been trying to work out how to do that. And um, obviously Sunday morning church, that would be like a 25-year endeavor. Uh, so um, I decided that I would not use Sunday morning church or Wednesday night Bible studies. Like I was trying, I mean, I was really working on how to make that work. And so I don't know if you all know this, if I've said this clearly, but I want to say it clearly, especially here in church, that I I'm really am on a mission this year to get as many people as I can reading God's word. Because God's word is powerful and it's quick and it's living and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you really want to know answers from the Lord, get into his word and he'll answer you. And I really believe that. I don't just believe it, I know it. Um, but I know it because I believed it and I've been in his word. And so every couple of years, as Tom said earlier, every couple of years we encourage the church as a whole to read through the Bible in a year. We have schedules. You're going to see it in every announcement. You're going to see it all over Facebook. You're going to see it on our social media, and you're going to hear it in the services, and we want you to join along. And you might say, well, I've already missed a few days. That's okay. You're close enough right now. You could even catch up. It's really not that far away. So grab a reading schedule and read along with us. I'm telling you, we've done this every other year, and never once have we failed to have someone new come to us and say, I've never read through the whole Bible, but I'm going to this year, and they've stuck it out and read through the whole Bible. If we're going to say we believe it all, we ought to read it all and know what it says. Uh, and so um, with that in mind, I really felt the Lord uh, pressing upon me to take on Genesis, which is where we'll be today. And for probably the next year or more, it's a long book, and, and you know me. Uh, so I don't plan on skipping anything, and I don't plan on taking it easy, but we're going to stay in the book of Genesis. So we're not just going to do the creation story and then do something else. We're going to go all the way through the book of Genesis. And I encourage you to come along with us as we go through the book of Genesis. So try to make a point to, to be here, or if you do have to miss, we do post these a week later on Facebook. We're not live. I know some of you have said to me about live. We're not live. We don't do that. But uh, if you want to catch up, it's, they're always posted a week later if you want to catch up. So grab a Bible and turn open to Genesis chapter 1. And while you find that, I want to tell you that uh, recently I had a young man who came to me and he said, hey, I've seen a video and it's causing me to struggle with my prayer life. And I said, oh. And I said, send me the video. I want to see what you're talking about. And the video is obviously a guy who's an atheist. And the video I think was titled, I could have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was titled, Why Prayer is Stupid. And the guy says that he had heard, maybe you've heard this. The guy in the video said that he had heard that God always answers prayers in one of three ways. With a yes, a no, or a wait. Now, before I go any further, I'm not going to have a lesson on prayer and I'm not going to chase a rabbit, but just stick with me for just one second. That's bad doctrine. If you've ever said that, that's incorrect. The Lord has way more ways of answering than yes, no, or wait. He is not a magic eight ball, and he's not a lucky rabbit's foot. He is God, and he can answer us in lots of different ways. He answers us in ways that aren't even audible sometimes. He is much more creative than yes, no, or wait. 
But that's beyond the point. I'm telling you of a video. And in the video, the guy says that he has heard that God answers with yes, no, or wait. And in that moment, he grabbed a milk jug. And he pulls out the milk jug. and I'm pretty sure he just grabbed the closest thing he could find. He probably pulled it right out of the fridge before he shot his little video. And he slams his milk jug down. And he says, I'm deciding right now that I'm going to ask the magic milk jug. And if I ask the milk jug... And so I'm going to say, milk jug, let my car start today because I drive an old car. And he said, if I go out and I start my car, do I get to say that, oh, look, the milk jug answered me with a yes? Or if I go out and the battery's dead, do I get to say, oh, the milk jug, the magic milk jug told me, told me no? Or if I try to start it, it doesn't start, but then I mess with the battery and then it starts, do I get to say that the magic milk jug told me to wait? And so his supposition from that point on in the video is this atheist guy. He said that it's a stupid way to think that there's a God in heaven who would say yes, no, or wait. Everything in your life is going to be, you could stuff into the box of yes, no, or wait. Now I'm telling you that for this reason. Here's the fallacy in what he is doing. There's a lot of them, and I'm sure you've probably got your own, but here's a really big fallacy in what he's done. Are you ready for this? The milk jug has never revealed anything about itself. Matter of fact, the milk jug has done nothing but sit there and be milk because it's a milk jug. The difference in what we say when we pray to God is I don't pray to the God that I created. I don't pray to the God that I pulled out of my refrigerator. I don't pray to the God that I carved out of wood. I don't pray to a God that I made. I pray to the God who revealed himself. And in creation, when we start with the creation story, we have lost our way as a church even when we start to see the creation story as a science lesson. God didn't mean it as a science lesson. Now, don't misunderstand me. Everything that God says scientifically will add up. But God is beginning to reveal himself. And that is why we will worship him, because he has revealed himself for who he is. Is. Read it with me. We're in Genesis chapter 1. Should have given you plenty of time to find that one. That's easy. It's right in the beginning. If you didn't find Genesis, you didn't try. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Do you have it? And we'll read through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you and put our complete trust in you, Lord, that you would reveal yourself through your word today. And Father, honestly, my knees kind of tremble a little to think that you would call me to preach your word. And when I read this and I see the magnitude of what is there, Lord, I know that I cannot speak anything that would be anywhere close to the glory that you deserve. So I petition you in the name of your Son that you would please send your spirit this way. And that your word would come alive to us. Father, I, I pray that you would block me from my own foolish words. That you would block all of us from that. And Father, that we would hear from you. That your word would speak to us. 
Father, we, we beg you that we would not leave the same as we came in. How could we encounter you, our great God in heaven, and leave the same? So we ask you, Lord, that you would just take over this place, take over our hearts and our minds, and that, Father, we would totally see you and who you are and what you've revealed about yourself through your word. May your name be glorified in this sermon and in this time of worship. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at it. In the beginning, God created. The magnitude of that statement alone, I almost stayed on that statement alone. And then I thought, well, I do have a whole book to get through. So we'll at least do all of day one. And so I decided to do all of day one. But the magnitude of that statement alone states quite a bit. In the beginning, God created. First of all, start with beginning, in the beginning. You do understand that as far back as we can go in time, God was already there. This is where science is mixed up today. And some of you who keep up with this, you know that what I'm saying is correct. Science is making a plug and a push to try to explain the origins of our world and the origins of our being and so, and if you don't believe me, just read anything from Stephen Hawking, read anything from Richard Dawkins, read anything from Bill Nye. And what you'll see is that all of those guys and many more are all trying to answer the question of where we've come from. And how did we get here? And the fallacy in their, in their science is that they have refused from the onset, they have refused anything supernatural and anything that would speak of faith. And science today says if I can't touch it, if I can't test it, if I can't see it and feel it, if I can't know for certain that because of my scientific testing, if it doesn't meet the scientific model, then it must not be true. And so they dig and they dig and they look with their telescopes and they study with their microscopes. And they've started in the wrong spot and they're headed the wrong direction. At work, sometimes we like to do something if we're feeling squirrely. I don't think Joey's got this one yet, but it'll come. Uh, every, every now and then at work, uh, if we're feeling squirrely, somebody will take somebody's paycheck and we'll hide it. <laughs> right. You laugh now. <laughs> Wait till it's Friday afternoon. And so, and so, listen, this is what we do. We'll hide it. And then when they go to the drawer to get their check, we'll go colder. And they're like, oh, come on, really? And then when they step away from the desk, we'll say, Warmer. And then they'll go walking around the room, and when they get anywhere close, we'll say warmer. And if they get further away, we'll go colder. And, and of course, we make them play hot-cold to find their check just because we're mean like that sometimes. And it's funny to watch if you're not the one who had your check hidden, but if it's your check, it's not really that funny. They hid mine down on the bottom of a bag of feathers one time. It's really hard to get that out without getting covered. Anyways, that's a different thing. So, listen, scientists today are playing a giant game of hot-cold. And they're searching and searching and searching for the origins. And so every one of them has a different answer. And if you talk to a geologist, he would say, well, we look at the rocks and what we can see from the rocks. Look at the layers of the rocks. They're, they must have taken ages and ages to come up with all of these layers. But don't you know God is in heaven saying colder? Look at their formation. They're so smooth. It must have taken forever for the water to carve it into this shape. And God says colder. Well, don't you know that the reason they are that way is because when the Big Bang happened, the whole world was swirling with magma and lava, and it was all hot and molten stuff, and it was all swirling around, and that's how we ended up with it, and God says, cold, you're freezing. The more you dig and the more you look at your rocks, the further away you get from the truth. 
And so the astronomer, is it astronomer or astrologer? How are we getting backwards? Astronomer, right? That's the, that's, the, that's the ones who are not doing it to tell the future, right? Yeah, astronomy. Astronomers, they would, they would look to the sky and they would say, no, look at the vastness of space. All of that was all, it was all compressed. It was all, it was all under so much pressure. And God says, colder. No, you see, if you took all the, all the substance and all the matter and all of the world and you compressed it into a little dot the size of the head of a pin, you know that's what they believe, right? That every, every, bit of st- every star and every planet and every bit of dust and dirt, everything was compressed into something the size of the, of the head of a pin. And under all of that pressure, eventually it finally, just like a, a, a coal under pressure would create a diamond, that under all of that pressure it finally exploded and that's what we've ended up with. And God says freezing. Y- you missed it. And, and then you talk to the biologist. Talk to the biologist and what would they tell you? They would say, oh, no, 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 no. It, it goes back to, it all goes back to atoms and cells. If you really go back to it, we could trace our origins back to seaweed and we could trace our origins back to cells and some single-celled organism. And God says, cold. No, no, what it was was just a series of events from one single-celled organism and that series of events, if you just give it enough time... Isn't that what they're saying? You see, before, go to old textbooks, and they would have said hundreds of thousands of years. And then if you go to textbooks in the recent history, in the last hundred years, they would say millions of years. And if you get new textbooks, they say billions and billions and billions of years. And God says, freezing. You missed it. You missed the point. Listen, trace anything back as far as you want to go. If, if you, talk to the, if you talk to whatever scientist, they're going to tell you. Some are going to say it's animals. Oh, we go back to apes. We go back to birds. We go back to fish. We go back to some sort of primordial ooze. And God says freezing. Because they skipped the premise in the beginning when it all started. Go back as far as you want to go. And when it all started, God created That's where it starts. The beginning, when we say the beginning, that is the beginning of time. God is outside of time. We think think like, oh, well, if we keep going back in history, do you understand God cannot be confined? He cannot be detained. He cannot be contained. You cannot stuff God into the box of time and say that God has to obey the rules of time. God doesn't have to obey the rules of time because he's outside of it. That's why in the beginning, what you and I could far back as we could go, you could banter with me and say, well, Justin, I don't think the earth is less than 10,000 years old. I do think it's millions of years old. Well, that's perfectly fine. You can think the earth is millions of years old, but you still have to go back far enough and say, God created in the beginning. It's God who did it. You see, the scientists cannot answer a few things, and I want to go over these with you. You do understand that the scientists cannot answer how nothing became something. They try. As a matter of fact, the big one right now, the big push right now is that matter is eternal. See, stuff has always been there. That's why all the stuff was compressed into a little area the size of a pin. That's not my idea. That's the scientific method. They believe that. They believe that all the stuff in the universe was compressed into the size, something the size of the head of a pin, and that exploded. Well, you still didn't answer where all that stuff that's compressed came from. Oh, so they say it's eternal. Well, maybe you would agree with that. Maybe you would say it's eternal. I would hope you'd shake your head no and say, no, we don't agree with that. Matter is not eternal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Matter is not eternal. God is eternal. 
But see, they, what they're doing is saying matter is eternal. Well, if you would say matter is eternal, then I would ask you a second question. I would say that God's created everything from nothing. There was nothing there and he created everything. But if you would say matter is eternal, then I ask you another question. How does matter become life? How does dust, particles and atoms, how does that become life? If you sit it there long enough, if you let it swirl about long enough, if you give it enough time, all of a sudden it would become life? Science is not answering that question. Science is not answering how stuff, they're not answering how nothing turns to something and they're not answering how something turns into life. Even if you were to take it down to the smallest cell and say, oh, well, it even became a cell. How? How did something that doesn't move and doesn't think and doesn't comprehend, how did it become something? And even more, I'll give you another one. If nothing became something and something became life, how did that life become conscious? Trees are not conscious. They're living. We would agree that a plant is a living thing. It lives, it grows, but it does not think. It does not feel. When did, when did the seaweed, and by the way, I could bring you an article right now that I read this week, an article of a scientist who believes that what started with us, we started from seaweed. How did seaweed get ears? When did seaweed decide there's something to hear, I want to put ears on myself, and started slowly over time developing its ears? Was sound first or were the ears first? Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Science can't answer how nothing becomes something. Science cannot answer how something becomes life. Science cannot answer how life becomes conscious. None of those are answerable through science. And you could talk to the, you could talk to the archaeologist and they would say, no, but we can find animals and bones that are, are in the transitional period. No, they cannot. No, they cannot and no, they have not. Go to the Creation Museum right now. I love the Creation Museum. We might even take a trip there. I love going there. I know some of you guys don't like it as much as I do, but I like it. And they've got this exhibit there. They've got this, this skull, and it's just a, a picture of it because they don't have the real one. And it's Lucy. Have you ever heard of Lucy? It's the supposed transitional ape to man. And if they've got what the Creation Museum's done is real cool. If you go on one side and you look at it, they have from the world's perspective, they've taken that skull and overlaid the picture of the Lucy, you know, the Lucy girl. That's over top of this skull. But if you go to the other side, they just took another picture of an ape and they stuck a picture of an ape, just a regular old gorilla ape, over top of the other side. It's just a skull. The archaeologists are digging and they say, oh, well, this was a 12-year-old boy who was in transit across the Middle East because his parents were hunter-gatherers. They don't know that it's bones. You did hear what I just said, right? They don't know that. They're speculating that whole thing. Half the time I have to wonder, have you ever tried to put a set of Legos together? Do you ever wonder, did maybe they put the bones together incorrectly? Am I the only one who's had that thought, like maybe they had it wrong? Listen, the scientists are telling you they have answers, but they don't have answers because they skipped the first part, which is this. In the beginning, God created God is the creator, and because he is outside of time, and time cannot hold him, and you do realize he's outside of space. There is no amount of space that is too far for God. There's no amount of space that is too big for God, because God is outside of it. He created it. Think about this. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. 
He creates space and time and matter in the beginning. You can't have one before the other. If you have matter but no space, where do you put it? If you have matter and no time, when do you put it? God creates all three all at once. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, space, time, and matter, all at once. And look at what happens when he creates it. In the beginning, God created. He made from absolutely nothing. Now, you would look at me and you would say, Justin, if I, I can't take that scientifically. I have to take that based upon faith, and I want to answer that. Are you ready? Amen. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Take a Bible, take your Bible and turn to Romans 11. Turn to Romans 11. Now, some of you immediately know Romans 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Go to 11.1, but we're going to read a little further. Hebrews 11, start in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 3. I'll give you time. I see you flipping. Go ahead. I'm sorry if I said Romans. I'll get to Romans in a second. I'm getting excited. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. One day I'll learn how to speak. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Did you get it? I'll give you one more second. I'll see a few more turning. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. <coughs> All right, I've got to read it. Here we go. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You ready? For, the elders, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By, you say that word, by, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We absolutely accept by faith that God created from nothing. He didn't recreate. He didn't take all of the stuff and take the dust and recreate it into an, an earth. He didn't take matter and atoms and reshape them and reform them. He didn't manipulate them. There was nothing there. And he spoke. And by the power of his words, space, time, and matter came into being. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the difference between us and the scientists, are you ready for this? We admit our faith. They deny it. When they can't answer how the rocks look the way they look, they say it must have taken billions and billions of years, and they believe that it was billions and billions of years with no evidence to back up their claim. You think I'm wrong? Check out Mount St. Helens and, and the radiocarbon dating that happened then. Their radiocarbon dating has been proven faulty on multiple occasions, and yet they'll default to that every time and say, yeah, but the rocks, they're radiocarbon dating. Well, they're radiocarbon dating and their half-life and all of that, if you know what I'm talking about, they're all faulty because they refuse. What they're doing is to refuse to accept by faith that God created in the beginning. And the difference between God and the milk jug is that God revealed himself. Think of this. Somebody said to me, I was uh, <coughs> admitted, or not admitted, but I had ad vocalized that I was going to start teaching through the whole Bible in a video series. And somebody said to me, do you really think, how, how could Moses have, how could Moses write Genesis? He wasn't even there. And I was like, well, how could anybody write the beginning? <laughs> the only person who can tell me about the beginning is the one who made it because he was the only one present. 
There's no person, you can't give me one writer in the scriptures and say, well, he wrote because he was there. The only one there is God. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when the scientists are searching in other ways, they've missed the premise. We've read this earlier, but I want you to turn to it. Turn over to Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. I know Cameron read this earlier, but I want you to read it again with me. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Did you catch that? I'm going to read the whole thing in a second. But the things that are made are a testimony to his invisible attributes. You see, the creation of the world is not a science text for me to look at and say, oh, well, how did God scientifically create the world? Do you know that if, it, if God gave us that, if he filled up the Library of Congress with all the books that told us all the information of how he did it, we wouldn't get it. We're not smart enough. If you say to me, how do you know we're not smart enough? Because we can't figure out the one sentence he gave us. In the beginning, God created. If I can't figure out in the beginning God created, how would I know if he really told me how he created mathematically and scientifically how he created everything? I wouldn't get it anyways. This is what we know. Romans 1 and 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal, he's always been, his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Before I move on to my, to my that was all point number one, God created. <laughs> I've got two more. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh but you did read the last part of that, didn't you? So that they are without excuse. You won't get to stand before God and say, now you listen, this is going to get real practical. You don't get to stand before God and say, well, there wasn't enough evidence for me. Yes, there is. And God will look at you and say, even the things that I made cried out that there is a God. I've told some of you this before and you know it and I know sometimes that ruins it, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you again. There was a little boy in a classroom and his teacher was telling everybody about the Big Bang and evolution. It was their science class. And the little boy tried to speak up and his teacher shut him down. So the little boy went home and he made a solar system out of styrofoam balls and he put it on a motor. And he had all those styrofoam balls and the sun and the nine planets you know, whatever you believe about Pluto is on you. So <laughs> we're not getting into that today. But listen, he made all the planets and the sun. He had them rotating on their eye. Very good looking model. And he took it into this class early the next morning and he set it on the teacher's desk. And the teacher came in and the other kids came in. And the teacher said to all the children, she said, who made this really awesome model of the solar system? And everyone looked around and the little boy didn't say a word. And she said, now come on, who, who made this solar system? Who did this? And everyone's rustling and looking around. And did you do it? Did you do it? And nobody's answering. Nobody's sticking up. And the third time she says, look, somebody had to make this. Where did it come from? And the little boy stood up and said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> Even his invisible attributes are seen in the things that he's made. You can't look around and say this came from nothing. He created it. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now look, verse 2. We're back in Genesis 1. I'm going to get a little drink. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little hoarse there. If I let that go, it'll just... Verse 2. The earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, for those of you who like the lessons, the Hebrew words, which I can't say with the ch, I can't get them, but it's, it's tohu and bohu. Actually, the words literally read tohu, tohu wabohu. And it literally means that they were, they were chaotic. There was nothing there. There was emptiness. It was totally void. When God creates the world, he creates the world. And according to what we read in just a moment, that darkness was on the face of the deep. And if you're confused about the face of the deep, read what it says. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So God creates the world and it is a surface of completely water. And there's nothing there. Now that only makes sense, by the way. As he speaks it all into being, he has a a process that he's going to take. And on day number one, the process that he'll take is is to speak light. And so he's created the world, and on the world there is nothing yet. Now you say, Justin, why are you being so, why are you saying that? I want everybody to listen to me. I know there's some of you in here, you're good biblical scholars, and you may disagree with me, and that's fine. Talk to me later. Let's go to lunch, and we'll talk about it. There is no, everyone listen to me, there is no gap between one and two. Verse one, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is directly connected to verse two, that the earth was void and it was without form. Now why am I saying that? Because some people believe in a gap theory. They believe that in Genesis one, God creates the heavens and the earth. They believe that Satan was somehow given power over the earth because Satan, Lucifer, is a real creature. He's a real being. The Bible speaks of him. God says that he created him. God says that he made him. He was, he was some of the highest ranked of the angels. But he fell. And some people believe that that fall happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And what they believe, now I'm not making this stuff up. What they believe is that Satan had rule of the earth. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. That's why he's called the prince of this world. That's why he's called the, even at one point, he's called the morning star. And so they would say, oh, that Satan was given the world and that he, that's when he was corrupted and that's when he fell. And I don't know if you've ever heard this theory or not, but I'm going to take it to its furthest degree. And I'll prove it to you if you don't believe me. I'll bring you some, of the, some people who believe it. They actually believe that when Satan fell, that it was, had something to do with the earth and that God flooded or ice age the whole world. And that's why the whole world is covered with water. And I, I even know someone right now who calls it the Luciferian flood. That is not biblical. You, didn't, you made that up. F- forgive me for being so plain about that, but you, you created that theory. That's yours. That's not biblical. You cannot. God never says the, Luci- the flood of Lucifer. And I have another contention. I have some arguments to say against that for just a moment because we need to be clear. First of all, If we're going to say that there was life on the earth, was the earth spinning? Was it rotating on its axis yet? There is no sun yet. Light will be created in a moment, but that's not the sun. That doesn't happen until the fourth day. And so with no sun, is the earth rotating around the sun? 
if there's millions of years that are happening between chapter 1 and verse 1 and chapter 1 and verse 2, I'm curious what was happening on the planet. Where was the light? Because God had to speak light so there's no light on the planet for millions of years. And I have a few other arguments, but I want to shorten that a little bit because I just I shouldn't have checked my time, but I did. But, so I want to shorten that a little bit and I want to give you the best argument of all. Why did life have to die? Because what I understand, and I would take you to the scriptures, but I told you I checked my time. But what does God tell us? That we are under the curse because of Adam. We, in Adam, all men do what? What do we all do in Adam? Die. We all die. We all sin and we all die. Adam sinned and sin has been imputed to us. And so because of Adam, we all die. What about the, what about the first creation, if that's what we're going to call it? If, the, if God created the world and then there's a gap, did they all die in a flood? And how come after the flood of Noah, God didn't say that he created the world? Why did he say the waters receded? If it's a Luciferian flood from chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 1 and verse 2, if it's a Luciferian flood, then I'm curious, why did God recreate the world and now have there be light? And there's no stars. There's not created yet. And plants and all those, he created those. How come after Noah in chapter 9, why doesn't God say, and God created the world yet again? Because there is no gap between 1 and 2. God creates the world, and when he creates the world, the world is void. It's without form, and there's darkness over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, I want to get to a practical point here. This paints for us a beautiful attribute of God. This is exactly what God does in our own lives. Without God in our lives, we are void. Our, think, of, um, think of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, who had everything in all of the world, and what did he say? Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. He said, if you don't know what that means, I like the other translations that say it's like grasping for the wind. It's unattainable. There's nothing there. All of life is completely worthless without God. It's void. Now, did the, did the, is this mythology, did the world go to the God and say, I need help, I'm without form and void. Did the world do anything? No, the world is without, vo without form and it is void and darkness covers the face of the earth. And God moved on that. That's exactly what God does for you and I. You, do you understand that? God reaches for you before you ever reach for him. God doesn't wait for you to say, I need you. You know why? Because you would never say it. So God sent his only son, Jesus, which we see next. I got to get there because of, of what time it's getting to, and I don't want to hold you late, and I know you'll, you'll get tired. So look, look what he says. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. There was a darkness over the world, but the Spirit of God's hovering, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Everybody pay attention. I'm about to mess up the words. You ready? I'm going to mess them up. And God saw the darkness that it was good. No, he didn't say that, did he? The darkness, he never called the darkness good. He never called the chaos good. He never called the void good. What did he call good? The light. Now, wait a minute. The sun doesn't come until day four. Where's the light coming from? You ready? Scholars don't like this one either. I know. I know already. Bring me all your books and all your commentaries. Now, I know that other people say I'm wrong about this. But I'm going to take you to Scripture because I'd rather use Scripture than use a commentary. Amen to that. Now, look. Look in Revelation. 
Look in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 and verse 23. Where did the light come from? If there's no sun yet, there's no stars, there's no source of light in that way. Where is the light coming from in chapter 1 and verse, four, uh, verse 3? Then God said, let there be light, and the light was. You turn to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23. Do you have it? Ooh, I'll give you just a second. Revelation, you're at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 23. Revelation 21 and 23. And what do we see? The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. Now, if you're still confused, read this with me. The lamb is the light. What happened in Genesis when God said, let there be light? Jesus, who is the light of the world, produced the light. Which is, by the way, exactly what he still does. God separated the light from the darkness. And that's exactly what Christ will do for your life. When you believe in Christ and you put your faith in him, he doesn't just forgive you for your sins. He separates you from them. He separates. He who is the light separates you from the darkness. And you who were children of darkness, myself included, who were children of darkness, are no longer children of darkness, but we're now children of the light. And there are times that that old man rears up his ugly head and I sin and you sin. But as children of the light, we don't like that anymore, do we? See, before when we were in our sin, when we were in darkness, we thought that more sin was the answer to our sin problem. We didn't know it. We didn't think about it that way, but we enjoyed it. We reveled in it. But now that we have Christ, now that he lives within us, he separates us from the darkness. And when we stumble, when we miss the mark, when we sin, we hate it. Because we're not in the darkness and we're in the light. And when we see that in us, we say, ew. I've heard people say to me those words. They'll say, ew, I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like what I'm doing. And of course you don't. Because the Spirit of God is moving on you. And the Son, who is the light, has separated you from darkness. And you're no longer in that. Now look, i got to finish up. I have to do this. Verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now we've expelled a couple of other bad theories. Let's get one more out of the way. Sometimes in the Bible, God says day, and he means age. That happens, like the day of the Lord. God speaks of the day of the Lord. That's a period of time. Remember this? Remember that one? Okay. God speaks of the period of time that is the day of the Lord. But when it comes to creation, to make sure that we were not confused as he spoke of the first day, he said something very specific, and he will continue to say it six more times. And the evening and the morning. God has already answered this. When God created the world, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without vo form. It was void. There was a darkness on the face of the earth. The Spirit of God is hovering on the face of the earth. God said, let there be light. And the light was, God saw the light. He saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the first day. God designed a day. An evening and a morning, a 24-hour period, and that is the first day. 
Now, someone would say to me, Justin, how could that make any sense? We have all of the geological records. We have, we have stars. We have stars that we can see in the sky that are so far away that they would take millions of years for the light to travel to us. And of course we see that. Why? Because God in all of his majesty created it. Okay, let me flip that around. Are you ready? I'm going to get to this one a little later, but let me flip that one around for you just to make sure we all get this. God didn't create a little baby Adam. There might be a baby Yoda, but there's not a baby Adam. <laughs> you think about that. When God created man, he made him a man. Now, if we looked at him, we would say it would take 30 years for him to look like that, but not when God created it because God didn't create a little baby. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken! Because he created it. Because it didn't, we didn't need it to form. No, God made it. So when God put stars in the sky, he made them so they're visible. Of course we would look at the distance and see such a grand scheme that how would we ever reach so far? Because space is bigger than us. But it's not bigger than God who created it. Turn one more time in your Bible. Let's close with a verse. Let's close with a verse. Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1. Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1. I know some of you know it, but I don't care. Turn anyways. It's good to turn in your Bible. Psalm 19 and verse 1. Did you get it? Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. I want to close with this. I never want to close without giving you an opportunity. If you have never put your faith in Christ, look around you. The creation declares his glory. That's the whole point. It is all about his glory. And when we see his glory, when you truly think about the magnitude of what we've just read, and I... I didn't, I didn't even put a dent in the iceberg. You do know that. We could go weeks on this. And in all of that glory, your response should be to worship. The God of this universe who spoke it into being loves you so much that he sent his son, the light of the world, into the darkness. And though the darkness did not comprehend it, the light was in the world, yet he was never of the world. And he died for our sins, and he rose again. And if you'll let the magnitude of that sink in, it ought to drive you to your knees to worship him. In, our, in all of creation, let us remember that God is worthy to be worshipped simply for who he is, because he is God.